Why are police photographing our license plate? What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Good afternoon. This is the Reasonable Voices Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando. My guest today is Melissa Dart who is the candidate for Virginia's House of Delegates in running in Virginia's 56th district, which covers Enrico, Louisa, Goochland, and Spotsylvania counties. Welcome to the show, Melissa Dart. How are you? Thank you so much, Marcello. I'm doing well, and I'm very happy to be here. I'm happy to have you here, too. I, I've been um, watching several videos of uh, you online. I like what you think and what you have to say, so... I'm going to give you time to say it all, I hope. Um, Wonderful. I know you are a healthcare administration professional and a graduate of VCU and, and um, master's in science and health administration. So why don't we start right off with um, how do you feel about affordable health care and what's going on in D.C.? Great. Well, thank you so much. Yes, I really... Uh, when I knock on doors and I talk to folks and I make phone calls, I would say easily three-quarters of people are extremely engaged and aware and concerned about what is going on in Washington with health care. And, uh, you know, often folks say, well, you're running for state office. There's nothing you can do about that. Mm. And I say, actually, to the contrary, yes. uh, that's exactly what we need to be doing is at the state level putting protections in place so that folks have to affordable health care, and we need to be more focused on that than we've ever been before. And I have worked for my whole career, which is now 20 years, in health care finance and reimbursement and administration. So when they are talking about Medicare, and they are talking about Medicaid, and they are talking about Medicaid expansion, I am, that is my uh, professional expertise, mm -hmm. and I want to be at the legislative table, and I'm the only one who's qualified to be there to make these changes in a way that does not strap the budget and in a way that works for all the constituencies involved. And the more they talk in Washington about that, the more I'd like to bring it back to vocal because we have over 400,000 Virginians mm. who could benefit benefit from Medicaid expansion. And it's a system, as Virginia taxpayers, where we've paid over 10 billion dollars into that system and the republican legislature has said no time and time again we're not going to cover those people we're not going to expand medicaid even though it's money that is being spent and we're getting nothing in return the republicans frankly don't even fully understand how that system works mm. and how we're already we're already so close to being able to cover these people who, who are in dire straits and yes. nobody's representing them or talking about them or to them you know, I, I wonder, um, since the, uh, the Republicans, at least on a national level, have, have gone through this uh, trying to repeal and replace uh, the Affordable uh -huh. Care Act, which is a right. wonderful thing until you say Obamacare. But, um, and they don't know 
that's the same thing. They don't. I mean, I, I've had people on the show from AARP and from uh, Jabba, and they both say everything goes extremely well as long as we don't call it Obamacare. But <laughs> right, we, we'll, right. we'll try not to go there. <laughs> but but the point is, it, staying in the Commonwealth of Virginia, I know the Governor McAuliffe and the First Lady of Virginia and her causes for um, food uh, programs and schools, she has been on the program, right. but the the governor did try and has pushed to extend yeah. Medicaid in the Commonwealth, but he's been stopped. Tell us about how he's been stopped and how you would like to unplug that. Yeah, well, he's been stopped, and I actually went, to, there was a, there's a veto session after the main session, legislative mm-hmm. session ends, and um, I went because I specifically wanted to witness the Medicaid vote. Yes. And uh, there were people in the gallery, including me, but there were people in the gallery who literally have millions of dollars of medical debt. Mm. And the vote was straight party line vote. It was uh, 34, 34 Democrats, 56 for it, and 56 Republicans against it. And it is, you know, the Republicans even now say um, he's tried to unilaterally and Medicaid, which of course can't be done. Mm-hmm. And what has to happen is that we need to move the needle with these seats, first of all. Mm-hmm. And not just mine, but all of these districts where we're running candidates, but especially mine, so that we have the vote. And we need to work on consensus building. And I think that now there's much more of a groundswell of the voters know what is going on. Yes. Where they have not known before. And people are engaged in ways and at levels they haven't been before. And that's what makes me optimistic that we actually can get this approved. And here's the thing. The thing that people also don't know. In states like West Virginia, like Tennessee, like Kentucky, mm-hmm. these are red state, red, arguably red states, where they have accepted Medicaid expansion, mm-hmm. they have created jobs, they have reduced medical debt, and they have improved health care outcomes for folks. Mm-hmm. So it, they talk about wanting to boost the economy. This is a way to do that. And by the way, we already have invested in the system. So exactly. these are not extra dollars that we're looking to spend. Uh, and so I think we need to, they like to talk about jobs. Yes. Here is an answer, one of the answers to jobs, mm-hmm. is that Medicaid expansion creates jobs. Yes. And I think the other thing, and, you know, as we Democrats get, sometimes we get in the weeds, but I think that's the, you know, the devil's in the details. If we don't have Medicaid expansion, and if you don't have coverage and you go to the ER for a sore throat or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and you don't pay for that, right, because the ER has to accept to you, then that is, that is money the hospital systems are paying. And you know where that comes out in the end? That's the people who have insurance. Mm. That gets baked into their insurance premium. Yes. So you have insurance, I have insurance, whoever has insurance. My premium pays for those services that pe- because people don't have coverage exactly. and, and people need to understand that and I think we're primed for people to understand that people want to know the truth and the reality mm-hmm. I think the recent town halls are proving that yeah. Republicans, independents, Democrats Americans are stepping up and and I've always felt yeah. I, I really feel that Americans get distracted with the conveniences shall we say of their daily yeah. life um, b- but when exactly we are a comfortable people, we are. But when, <laughs> when but when something comes to our attention that we think is not fair yeah. uh, and yeah. not uh, to to everybody, right. uh, the fa- uh, families and and even single folks and whatever it doesn't matter what color, what sexual persuasion, people right. get up and and fight. And I've been so proud to watch them. I mean, that's that's what's great about America. Yeah. And, you know, and, and to another point on that, and, and obviously this is really my passion, but I know this is in the news, but I also have a good friend who was in Wise, Virginia this weekend. Uh. And, um, and I don't know if you're familiar with this, but they have this program called RAM, which is uh, Rural Area Medical. Mm-hmm. And what happened is, and Ralph Northam was there, and Kane was certainly there. And so these are folks, they set up tents. And once a year, they get, they flock to these pens mm. to get health care services. Sure. My friend's a dermatologist. 
psychologist, and, and that's what she was doing. But I saw her last night, and she said, look, this is in southwest Virginia, so it's as close to Tennessee yes. and West Virginia and Kentucky as anything. Yes. And she said the need has dropped. There are fewer people lining up for these services. Mm-hmm. And she said the reason, first of all, it's scary to me that people should need services in this way. But second of all, the need has dropped because as West Virginia expanded Medicare and mm-hmm. Tennessee expanded Medicare mm-hmm. and Medicaid and Kentucky expanded Medicaid, there are fewer people going to the RAM clinics. Yes. And, and so the people that she sees now, guess what? I'm a Virginian, she's a Virginian. The people she's seeing at the RAM clinics are more and more just Virginians now because wow. they've been in Medicaid in these other states. So there's a real impact on these good people yes. who are just trying to live their lives. Exactly. And you can see the real impact of that, you know? We know you are a mother of three young boys. Uh-huh. Uh, how does that impact your advocacy? For, uh, for children in particular. Uh, yeah. D- tell us about that. Well, and, and you know, those, those things really go hand in hand for me. And one other thing, the way that Medicaid in particular yes. ties in with my boys and my advocacy in public school and for public education mm-hmm. is that the services that one of my sons in particular, in particular received in school a lot of those services people don't know mm. are funded by Medicaid dollars. Yes. Medicaid so does a lot people don't know. They just and don't. people have no idea. Yes. People who are most served by Medicaid are children mm-hmm. and they're elderly people in nursing homes. Mm. So, so let's, you know, if we take away those funds, who is going to, you have a two-income household like I do. If my parent is in a nursing home mm-hmm. and you defund the Medicaid dollars for that, is my parent going to come to my home? And mm. then if that happens, what about my job? What mm. about my husband's mm. job? So, but, so with my children, they're all in public school, and that's what got me into this race, mm. frankly, mm-hmm. is the Secretary of Education and really the Republican rhetoric now, their phrase that they're really harping on is school choice. Mm. School choice. Yes. And of course, choice sounds great. Yes. Everybody wants a choice, right? Yes. But that is that is code for something else, mm-hmm. which is our public schools are not fully funded. Mm. The data shows when they are fully funded, kids are successful and more successful. And the school choice is they want to take dollars out of an underfunded system mm. to help a very small percentage of kids and then disproportionately hurt kids who are at risk, whether they are special needs kids, whether, as you referred to Dorothy McCullough's program for mm-hmm. feeding kids in schools, some of those kids, that's their only meal or certainly hot meal of the day. Yes. And fine, if we're going to do that, what are we going to do for those kids that you're taking the resources away from? I wonder if they ever yeah. really think about it in human terms like that. What do you, what no. do you think? Do I think they think about it that way? Yes. Absolutely not. And I'll tell you an anecdote about me, and I've told this many times, but I was upset in November, obviously, but it was a sucker punch in February mm. when Betsy DeVos became the Secretary of Education. Oh, yes. Because that's my kid, that's my kid. Mm-hmm. But I had a friend say to me, why are you so upset about Betsy DeVos, Leo, who's my son who has special needs? Leo's going to be fine because you and your husband... <laughs> Um, have the resources to take care of him. Now, as I always say, you know, yeah, we do today. Mm-hmm. None of us knows what's going to happen tomorrow. But that's not the point. The point is, it's not enough for me that my kid and my family is okay. Yes. What about my friend who is a single mom who has two kids like Leo mm-hmm. and is a, is a secretary at a pharmaceutical company? What is she going to do? And what about people I don't know so to your question, you know, do they think in human terms? I think generally they don't think in human terms, mm-hmm. but they also don't think the way we generally think, which is it's not enough for my family to yes. be okay. Yes. Sleep at night with that. And I'm fighting this fight and we're fighting this fight because it's a social contract. Mm-hmm. My family needs to be okay. Exactly. That's the difference to me. 
and I couldn't agree with you more. But you you serve on the Enrico uh, County yeah. Special Education Advisory Committee. Yeah. Yeah. What what does that committee do, and what do you do with it? Yeah, so I was appointed to it last year. So this was my first full year, and essentially the committee sits between families of students with special that get special education services, mm-hmm. and it just in Enrico alone that's six thousand students. Wow. So we sit between families whose kids get those services, and the faculty and administration and the school board. So we are advocates for the families and a liaison among those constituencies. Mm -hmm. And last year, what we looked at is, and we spent the whole year looking at with focus groups and so forth, was discipline. And what we found is that kids with special needs are disproportionately suspended Mm. and disciplined more in Henrico than in other counties throughout the Commonwealth. Wow. And so we, you know, went down into the sort of root cause analysis level. Why is this happening mm. and how can we change these numbers? Because these are kids who don't need to be punished. They need the support to not you know, to behave in appropriate ways to the situation that they're in. And mm-hmm. so we studied that for a year. And, you know, next year we'll take that as a, a the level deeper, but we brought recommendations to the, the school board and, you know, they do what they do, which is partially say, you know, we can't fund this, but there are things we can do and we can fund. And so that has really brought to light for me that, you know, I'm concerned about Leo and fighting for him every day. And mm-hmm. also I find out about resources that are available to Leo that I didn't know, mm-hmm. but it also... I can say to this committee and to the school board and to the faculty and staff, hey, when I get a call like this, when a parent gets a call like this, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a different, these parents are working. They're trying to fight for their kids, Mm -hmm. but they've got this going on and that going on. And these are ways you can approach them and, and engage them so that it's a team and it's not us versus them, and yes. I've learned a lot, and I hope I have contributed, um, at least, you know, certainly somewhat, and um, I'm thrilled to be able to be involved in that way, because I benefit, and I hope they benefit from our experience, and frankly, every single person who sits on the SEAC, which is what it's called, mm-hmm. um, is a parent or grandparent of somebody with special needs, they can work, and they all, like me running, like everybody I see running right now, we're not politicians, we're mm-hmm. just people who are trying to bring change based on what we're seeing as what the real needs in this community are. You know, you make so much sense, Melissa. I I have been a classroom teacher, not often in my life, but from time yeah. to time. And when I came back from New York City, I had great pleasure ah. of... Uh, uh, I just walked into something because they happened to need a a theater performing arts teacher, which is what oh, okay. I did. <laughs> but I'll tell you something that uh, that initially may not sound like a very nice thing, but I want to see what you think. But then it became it turned we turned it into we worked together the principal and the students and I to turn it into a wonderful thing, and that is there were uh, children there with various degrees of special needs. Um, autism, etc. And I learned a lot. But they were being put into my uh, drama classes because I both respected them, uh, but in treating them just like anyone else, they also were disciplined in the same way as everyone else. And they all had a shot at a part. And I mean, I could tell you stories that bring tears to your eyes. But I want us, uh, we have to go soon in the next segment, but I'd like us to talk about mental health as opposed to physical health. I'd like us to maybe get a little specific about, you know, special needs. Most people, unless you live with it, don't know what that means. means. So let's give them a few examples. And also, you are running in a rural district as a Democrat. So we've got lots to talk about in our our second uh, segment here. And I just wanted to throw that out so everyone will stay tuned. And so just give you a little heads up, okay? Thank you so much, Marcella. All right. We'll be right back. Stay with us. I am talking to candidate for Virginia's House of Delegates in the 56th District of the Commonwealth of Virginia, Melissa Dart. Stay with us. We'll be right back. 
another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. Fed Up came into and out of the movie theater so fast, you might think that film distributors had been pressured to get it out of circulation before the public had a chance to see and react to it. Still, for anyone concerned about the long-term health of American children, Fed Up is a must-see film. For anyone interested in the growing epidemic of obesity in America, Fed Up is a must-see film. And for anyone wanting to understand why losing weight is virtually an impossible task in our culture, Fed Up is a must-see film. Its message is that the Food and Drug Administration, the medical community, and thousands of individual experts have been giving us exactly the wrong information about what will keep us healthy. And they have been persuaded to do so by the packaged food industry. No one wants to believe in a vast conspiracy, not really, but the researched facts assembled for this documentary speak otherwise. Diet and exercise don't really count for much at all, say the filmmakers, not while we are being sabotaged by the excess sugar that permeates virtually all packaged foods. Don't believe it? Watch Fed Up, and then decide for yourselves whether you can safely ignore it. Fed Up, not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Find us on the web at IndieFilmMinute.com. Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices talk radio show. My guest today is candidate for Virginia's House of Delegates in the 56th District, which covers Enrico, Louisa, Goochland, and Spotsylvania counties. She is Melissa Dart. She's running again for the House of Delegates that, of course, is in Richmond, Virginia, at the General Assembly. And, Melissa, we we left the audience with a lot to think about, everything from your uh, professional educational uh, background as well as how, uh, your serving on SEAC, and you call it SEAC? Yes. Uh-huh. Yes, and, that's right. And ha- being a mother of three young boys, Leo having uh, special needs. And I think we're going to start there. We, we sort of hinted at that. Right. Can we break down... What are special needs? Give us some examples. Yes, so there are as many special needs and types as there are kids. Mm. And my son, uh, he has, as I like to call it, a trifecta of diagnoses. And perhaps at first if you met him, I don't think you'd even know necessarily that Mm -hmm. he has challenges. But he has ADHD. Mm-hmm. And he has on he has Asperger's, and he has seizure disorder, which people commonly know as epilepsy, mm-hmm. and that presents challenges for him, whether they be social challenges. He doesn't he doesn't socialize and connect in ways that other kid nine year old boys do, and he has physical challenges, and that you know hard for him to sit still or, or he likes to have his back scratched, yes. things like that. And those things sound sort of tangential or not important, but those for boys and girls like Leo are challenges to his ability to learn. Yes. And so, and he sort of has hyper-focus on things that are maybe not important, and so he can't focus on things that are important. And these kids, by and large, can be in the, as they call it, the mainstream environment, yes. the main classroom environment. He does great there, but he needs the correct support. Mm-hmm. And frankly, part of why I'm running and I'm fighting is because there is federal legislation, and folks may not know this, it's called IDEA. Mm. IDEA, it looks like IDEA, and it's mm. Individuals with Disabilities Education Act. The reason our local and right now county school does what they do for Leo is because there's federal legislation that requires them to do it. They're very nice people, mm-hmm. but if you get rid of that federal legislation, uh. my my son is at risk, as are 6,000 kids in Henrico alone, and they're not mentioning Goochland, Louisa, Pennsylvania yeah. County. Yeah. And I'm fighting to make sure... Whatever happens with that federal legislation, he has what he needs, and and the 
public schools have the funding that they need mm-hmm. uh, to keep giving Leo and kids like him what they need. So they're in the general mainstream regular old classroom, mm-hmm. but they need sometimes they need one-on-one support. Sure. Sometimes they need to get pulled out. Sometimes they need tests read to them, things like that. Not, yes. you know, fundamental. He's not in a wheelchair or anything like that. And so it's harder for folks to understand that just because you don't see a disability, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean it's not there. Mm-hmm. Well, And that's why I fight. And, and it's, a, it's a fight that it goes on and on, and I, and I think yeah. I alluded to the when I was doing this recently, and by that I mean when I moved back from New York, which is about ten years ago now. But uh, uh-huh. I um, I got this job, and I certainly was no uh, not a person who knew how to necessarily deal with um, uh, special needs of any kind. I yeah. had no training in that. Let's put it that way. But the students were brought to me uh, because. They, I, I could keep them. I, I'm not going to conjecture on why they were put in my class, but I suddenly had a lot in my class, and I found out, as I believe with every student, you go where the, a teacher goes to where the student is. Yeah. You, you don't require exactly. that. Yeah, they're over where you are. You go to where they are, and then you make the journey back together. And again, I don't want to take up all of your interview talking about it, but I just want you to know that the experiences that I had, even for that short period in my life, to see, I'll give one short one, uh, brothers who were twins. One was over six feet tall, the other stunted physical growth uh, and, and other oh uh, difficulties and, and so forth. But he had a beautiful singing voice. I can't remember how I found that out. Um, and so I wanted to put him in the musical. I sang the little song he was going to sing on cassette tape and re- over and over and over again so he could rehearse it. His mother came and said, you know, I've never seen him work so hard. He's so happy and he's singing. He runs around, he plays it all the time. So the point is, come opening night... He was able to, he came out, he was in the spotlight, he sang this song, it was beautiful, brought the house down. So we often Amazing. dismiss the, and that's the word, I'm going to use your word, the amazing qualities and resources of human beings that are all around us because we make them invisible. Take me from there. You're talking about meeting them where they are. And, mm-hmm. and that applies to students. Well, it also applies to voters. Yes, yes. And, you know, I, I ran in my primary. It was wonderful. I'm so glad I had a primary. Mm-hmm. But I was talking to people who are like-minded, like me. And mm-hmm. so now I'm talking to folks who are, are maybe in the middle, you know, and you have to meet them where they are. Yes. And so knocking on doors and making phone calls, I just, I want to know what people are concerned about because that's what I should be concerned about and that's what I want to focus on. And I am not a politician. I am a community member. Mm-hmm. I've lived in this district for 12 years and I want to make it better. And I want to lift up voices that aren't being, aren't being brought forward and aren't being represented. And, you know, you, you asked and, and really, I would say a good half of the district is rural. And mm-hmm. the rural part of this district has been a gift to me. And the mm-hmm. reason is that I just went out and started introducing myself. Yes. And they responded to that because nobody's done nobody's that done for it. them and for them. And they have needs that are the same as Henrico, exactly. you know, but they have needs that are distinctly different. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the biggest things, and, and, you know, we certainly have touched on this, is broadband, high-speed internet access. Yes. There are people who literally live 15, maybe 20 minutes from where I live who don't have broadband access. Mm. To be frank, I had no idea until February, March when I started running and I understood this issue. Yes. And there are innovative ways we can work to bring them broadband access. Mm-hmm. And we have to do that because there are Republican legislators who say, I don't want to pay money to give these for these people to be able to play their video games online. Mm-hmm. It's not about playing video games online. No. It is about, first of all, how do you even, in 2017, even look for a job without internet access? Yes, or do homework. Hard copy newspaper? Yeah. Right? Or 
housing, I had worked from home for 15 years, mm -hmm. and 14 years, 15 more than that. And if, I, if you don't have internet access, you, if there are not physical jobs in Louisa County, mm -hmm. then you can work from home. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have broadband access, you can't do that. So it's, it's and healthcare as well, and these things all tie together. And, um, you know, there was a bill that, uh, thankfully was a passed in the legislature about virtual schools, and that's part of the school choice debate. How are you going to, in Louisa County, where there's no broadband, have kids do virtual school? How are they going to log into their virtual school? Yes. Does anybody think these things through? And so there are ways, whether it's public-private partnerships, there are ways get broadband out there but people need to change their mindset that that is a tool people need yes. to live full and productive lives it's not about you know video gaming or whatever it is and it's part of jobs as well in general the demographic in louisa is older because people grow up there they have wonderful schools there they turn 18 and they have to come to richmond to get employment or go to school or college or whatever mm -hmm. or people raise their kids in Henrico County and then move to Louisa once their kids are grown. Yes. And so, and it's also, you know, bringing jobs out there and lowering barriers to entry for small businesses and also there are a lot of family farms out there and these legislators aren't talking to family farms about mm -hmm. what they need and how they can stay alive. But it, to me, it's been a real gift. Um, I got a lot of support and my support is growing in that area and I don't understand I don't understand Dems have an opportunity to raise the, the awareness about the cause that's important to rural voters. Yes. And frankly, the Republicans have sold them a bill of good, mm -hmm. and they're just figuring that out now. And, uh, you know, I think I'm rooted in one part of the district because it's a gerrymandered district, but I've really, I'm starting to develop relationships and support um, in the rural areas, and I'm very proud of that. That's very important to me, and I think it's critical to flipping your district, I do. And, and you know, I, again, I agree with you because people wonder uh, how certain elections surprised us last year. Well, it's because people who feel left behind or not heard are finally... Uh, exactly. They've had it. And so when somebody like you goes out and actually knocks on doors and says, hey, my name is Melissa Dart, right, and I'm right. here because I want to know what you need in a public servant, well, they're going to fill your ears, you know? And it's a vacuum. Yeah. So it's a void, yes. right? And, and absolutely. And I, I mean, no one, I just went out there authentically saying, hey, I'm here, I want to know what you're and they responded to that, and I'm very, very grateful, yeah. and it's a mutual relationship because they were supporting me, and I'm trying to elevate them, and it's, um, it's been a real gift that I will take with me, you know, after the election, no matter the outcome and beyond. Mm -hmm. How about, I mentioned, I think, during the break, generally speaking, politicians certainly, but the general public as well, when, when we talk about... Uh, health care and affordable health care and even Medicaid and so forth, we seem to uh, focus or get get caught up in the challenges of physical health care. But what about mental health care? It is not being talked about yeah. near enough, mm -hmm. near enough. And part of that is a, still in 2017, again, a stigma around that, mm. around mental health and, and, and those things. And it, it really is, those are the same type of services we need to be providing and have accessible and people in provider networks as we do, whether you have diabetes mm. or you have, you know, you're on the autism spectrum, mm -hmm. it's the same thing. It, 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 it has your well-being and we need to A, work on removing the stigma from that, and B, give people access to those services, which still continues to be very challenging. When I, when I was young, now we're talking six, seven years ago, and I was told, quote unquote, he needed to be tested, I now know that what that means is tested to see whether it's doing, you know, testing by a mental health professional to see whether he's on the autism spectrum. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know that. And I literally was Googling, you know, testing three-year-olds to 
figure out. I found, I figured out from Google and from talking to parents. So I think people need to be willing to talk about that more. There are services through um, county organizations, like they're called community services boards, mm-hmm. where they provide these services, whether they're social workers, whether they're psychologists. And people need to know those services are out there and have access to them, and they need to be covered by health insurance plans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, but I think so much of it starts with just misinformation and disinformation, and it leads to so many other problems. And as I've heard it explained many times, you know, if you're diabetic and you need insulin, there's no shame in that. Yes. Take insulin. Exactly. So if you struggle with whatever it is, seizure disorder like Leo does, or you're on the spectrum and you need to take medicine for that to get to the baseline other people are naturally at, there shouldn't be any shame in that. And I think it's just the conversation... You know, like a lot of things in life that people are afraid to have and be open about, and I think it's too bad, and that's why I talk about Leo and our situation and his situation as much as I can. And now, of course, when he gets to be a little bit older, he might not want me doing that, mm-hmm. and that'll be a different conversation, but I think everybody benefits um, from having access to and being open about it. That if you need help, you're getting it. And it's not because you're not trying hard enough. You just have a different baseline than everybody else does. And you know, too, we should mention again, because you have said it a couple of times, you're talking about 6,000 children in Enrico County with special needs, but you're running to represent, and so there are other areas, of course, uh, right. Louisa uh-huh. and Goochland spots. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And I would say easily in Louisa, there are probably the equivalent 6,000, so mm. that's 12,000 between the two counties, mm-hmm. right? And then you have half of Goochland, and then you have even into Spotsylvania. So yes. Easily, and I, you know, easily it's many, many thousands of students, and then their families. And again, to me, it's a social contract. And if my family's okay, that's good. And that was hard fought, but that's not enough. And uh, if, if anybody can benefit of what we went through, have gone through with Leo, I'm mm-hmm. happy to share that in, in whatever way I can, mm-hmm. because that's who I am. And you know, some, if I had the benefit of somebody else's experience when Leo, if we were just starting out with him, that would have been a gift. And it was a gift. I mean, a lot of what I benefited from, frankly, was talking to other parents, and it still is. And uh, I think we, as I sort of said yesterday, you know, people are, are on their keyboards and hiding behind that, but people need to step away from that and connect with real people still. I don't care how much technology there is, and that's what I'm trying to do. And listen, I knocked many, many doors in the primary. I'm going to do the same in the general election because this is what it's about. People just want that sense of connection. Yes. And that's it. You really hit it. That sense of connection, being heard, yeah. being involved, being remembered. You know, I have a good friend of the uh, Jane Titmar, who is the chief of staff of I, who I hope will be your boss soon. The uh, the leader in the House of Delegates, um, yes. uh, David Toscano. And yes. and if you're looking for an ally in getting uh, broadband service in Southwest yes. Virginia, Jane Dittmar will be right there for you. I can assure you. Yes. I bring her up because I'm reminded uh, when you speak about how you are working to create a state-level firewall to protect special needs students throughout the Commonwealth. There are two points I want you to make in that. Number one, uh, Jane always told me the best government is the government that's closest to the people. So there you are, um, future Madam Delegate. And secondly, my issue is when people represent certain sections, whether they're counties or states or whatever, yeah. they sometimes forget that they represent everybody. Uh, you know, And I know I've heard about you, that you believe in this throughout <laughs> the Commonwealth. Talk to us about that. Well, I do not understand. As I said, I am hardly a politician, although I guess maybe you could say I become one. I do <laughs> not understand if you won... Uh, some elected office, and maybe you won by 51% of the vote or maybe more. That is good. And then you have to move on and understand you're representing 100% of the people who are in your district. Yes. Whether they agree, whether they don't agree, whether they have different values. And I do not understand these politicians who act like even after they've won, it's me versus the people who didn't vote for me. Mm. I don't understand that. And I want nothing more than to talk to people who disagree. I don't need to talk to people who agree with me. Yes. 
you know, it's like it gets to be an echo chamber. Mm-hmm. You need to talk to the people who don't agree because I think there's more room for consensus mm. than anybody acts like there is. Yeah, yes. there are loud voices on the right, there are loud voices on the left. I think there are a lot more of us smack in the middle mm-hmm. who can you give a little on your thing I'll give a little on mm-hmm. my thing and we can move the ball forward yes. right yes. we're not going to get all the way there and I just will keep beating the drum of that until I get like-minded people who um, you know feel that same way and that's true in my district and it's true in all 100 districts mm-hmm. I really really believe that but just people haven't been paying attention to it and suddenly the spotlight is on us and it's on Virginia because we're one of two states with Yes, yes. And and one of the states that's needed, by the way, to ratify the Equal Rights Amendment for women. Absolutely. And the fact that people don't even know that that was never ratified. Mm -hmm. And then they turn around, these same people, and say, what do we need that for? You're equal. Oh, okay. How much, what do I make, 78 cents on the dollar? Mm. How much, you know, to that. So... Um, absolutely, and there, Virginia is the bellwether, and it's a very exciting you know, place to be. I feel privileged yes. that I'm in a position to run, because most people can't, and I understand why, but uh, people thank me all the time, and I say, you know, I do consider it a privilege. It's mm-hmm. hard work, but it's a labor of love, for sure, for me. All right. Tell us how we can reach out to you and be supported, volunteer, make donations. Thank Tell you. us, thank please. Thank you. That is the best question you can ask me, Martello. So, <laughs> this is truly a grassroots campaign and movement. And so, one of the biggest points of pride for me is that in the primary, I only ran against one person, but there were six Republicans running it and me and another Democrat. I had the most individual donors of any of the eight candidates. And to me, that is not about me. Mm. And that is not about wealthy people, a few of them. That is about a movement within and outside the district. But it's going to take that continued and groundswell to keep this going and keep Bring us across the finish line on November 7th. So if you go to dartfordelegate.org, mm-hmm. you can find out certainly more about me and ways to volunteer. I have somebody whose expertise is, is field work. And so if you can do one round of phone calls or one round of door knocking, it gets us that much closer. But everybody knows and nobody wants to say we need money to reach voters. Sure. That's what it boils down to. And whether you're in a position to what you can, whether it's $5, $500, every bit helps us with mail, helps us with signs, helps me in a, be in a position to connect with voters. And it's going to flip this district. And this district is eminently flippable. The numbers show us that. It's just going to take everybody who is like-minded and maybe some people who don't realize they are their support to do it. So folks can go to dartfordelegate.org, make a donation, uh, ask how they can help, phone calls, knocking doors, even if it's one weekend. Every bit of it is deeply appreciated and it's part of the grassroots movement that is going to help us win on November 7th. And everyone, that's DART, D-A-R-T, as in Tom. And how about a, a Facebook page? Oh, Facebook page. If you just search, if you just honestly search on on Facebook for Dart for Delegate, you will find me, and I, I, I'm pretty sure there's only one. <laughs> and we're very active on Twitter as well. If you if you want me to give you that, yes, it is at Melissa M Dart fifty six. Done. Very good. Excellent. Yeah. Well, this has been yeah. fabulous. Let me tell you, you're uh, wonderful, Marcella. Uh, and you, you and you are too. I, I, I've, we've got to meet Thank sometime. You. This is I yes. love what you're doing and thinking and saying, <laughs> and you're out there knocking on doors that probably a lot of people have not knocked on, and and you're doing it absolutely. Yeah. And you know what? When I get there, they're thrilled, they're shocked. Yeah to see me and then they're thrilled and then they get out and vote and are active and that in 2017 you can have all the social media in the world it's still about knocking doors and being there in person and i'm thrilled to be able to do it all right okay (laughs) melissa dart we wish you all the very best melissa dart is candidate for virginia's house of delegates in virginia's 56th district covering enrico luisa Goochland and Spotsylvania counties. 
Congratulations on the primary win, and we wish you all the best for November 7th. Okay? Thank you so much, Marcella. I appreciate it. And, yeah, thank you so much. All right. Bye now. Take care. Bye-bye. Stay with us, as we'll be right back with a final comment from The Reasonable Voice. Another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. The coming of age story is a classic film narrative. Young person experiences conflict at school or with family, gets involved in a romance, and comes out on the other end with a new outlook on life. We usually view these films through the veil of our own memories, so our reaction can be personal. But when they are well realized, as is the case here, the rewards carry extra appreciation. Written and directed by British sitcom star Richard Iowati, Submarine tells the story of Oliver, age 15, as he deals with the twin perils of navigating his first relationship and discorded home caused by a new neighbor with eyes for his mom. Divided into two parts, girls first, family second, the film builds to a big shambling climax where separate plot lines get tangled to form something bigger and more difficult to handle than Oliver could have anticipated. While all the actors in the film do a fine job, especially the two teen leads, the real star is first-time filmmaker Iowati. His script is equally comedic and dramatic with wonderfully stylistic touches in editing and cinematography. Submarine honors the coming-of-age ideal by infusing indie quirk, humor, and fresh insight, and it will earn its place in your heart. Submarine. Not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, The Reasonable Voice, thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard around the world. What does follow the leader with AUMF make America? Skid marks on Donor Class Boulevard. Cokeheads, Alec, Congress, Deutsche Bank, tax fraud, Russian collusion, treason. But knowing there are populous roadblocks ahead, silent partners accessorizing after with alternative facts means just following the money miscalculates consequences of cause and effect and the seventh veil of our cause celebre. How far are we willing to be dumbed down by dummies allowed above the law to not recall? How far are we willing to let those caked in the mud of yellow journalism to be left behind, exposed only to a Sinclair Group POV? Ignorance is bliss, but no more excuse than the devil made me do it. What undercuts an informed electorate? Is it the invasion of dishonest reporting by a new low in conservative broadcasting, or liberal neglect? What if Democrats are politically correct, being more for equal access for all, in education, in opportunity, and under the law? Shall America believe Stanley Milgram or adopt Nuremberg defense? With the boss-abused spice gone out of SNL, is Attorney General Jeff Sessions a law-abiding shield protecting Robert Mueller from the malice of forethought dictated through a banking mooch-mugger? following the soulless who are the real tax dodgers draining the public trust ignoring diminishing infrastructure and suppressing the votes of the oppressed we become their clones do we not there is little security and less comfort in a summer season of extreme forest fires tornadoes floods and political chaos in the heat of the night unless we make peace with the truth about our pattern of indulgences in injustice vainglory overzealous hero worship gun violence and quitting those who live by it those sometimes forgiven targeted too often off camera for family and friends, a snatched life is never forgotten. July twentieth, 2017, Australian Justine Damon, shot to death in Minneapolis by policemen. June twelfth, 1994, around-the-clock coverage of O.J. Simpson tried and acquitted for the dual murder of Nicole Brown Simpson and Ron Goldman, paroled July 2017. May 13, 1985, Philadelphia police dropped makeshift bomb on 6221 Assange Avenue to end political opposition organization known as The Move. 
July 23, 1967, a police raid on an unlicensed after-hours bar morphs into five days and nights of one of the deadliest riots in American history. Still don't think our democratic republic can corrode into anarchy? If we allow propagandists shouting the most outrageous excuses for a free pass, he's just new to this, give him a chance. Yes, and we won't need an Alaskan House lookout for foreign missiles. Freedom of thought and liberty to peacefully assemble are as freely sacrificed as taken at liberty. People distracted by imagined fears and legitimate concerns are most vulnerable to secret keepers seeking public power over private citizens, imposing beliefs by distorting public systems of communication. What if getting ahead of Father Time is more nation-building than following the deep-pocketed money trail? What if the repeal and replace health care voting debacle is up for debate for national distraction? Thankfully, most Americans can discern truth from fiction and recognize the difference from a self-assured sense of direction and being led by a self-aggrandizing Pinocchio. Nonetheless, if we continually allow Trumpsters to be excused by a Republican Congress fearful of its anti-Obama base polling at 80%, then we are following terrorized political cowards even as they violate sacred oaths and restrict those who have limited access to the truth that would free them from the terrorism of money laundering. If we lay America bare before an escalator descending into treason, we the people will soon find ourselves standing at the precipice where she persisted, and Locker Up will either throw each other over for a pretender, or form a more perfect union, remembering we are indivisible only when separating the savage beast from our crest. To be silent is to side with corporatism's gold-plated government conflicted between obedience to authority and their patriotic duty to serve all of us. Either way, for public integrity, we need become citizen sleuths for the truth. For, like Spielberg's Lincoln, we the people of the United States of America are clothed in immense power, if we can keep it. Thank you, and join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice. Com website. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.